All right, hey Palmetto Shores, and welcome back to our uh, Sunday seminar recap of um, the study of Romans that we're going to be doing. And I'm sitting here with uh, Richard Floor, who is our resident here at Palmetto Shores this year, as he's getting ready to plant a church, uh, Gospel Hope Church here in Myrtle Beach. And he's been a great um, guy to be around and hearing him teach uh, just here uh, in Romans, these first three chapters that we're going to look at today. Um, it's been really convicting and also encouraging at the same time that uh, just a reminder of what the gospel is and who God is and how do we fit in that equation of, of life and sin and salvation. And um, I was really encouraged last night just hearing God's word and hearing the discussion around the tables and um, really understanding what is what it is it that, um, that God is teaching us here uh, through his word, through Paul. And so... Um, uh, let's just go ahead and dive in and uh, start our discussion. Um, so at the beginning of the night last night, um, you went through the first six verses of uh, chapter one and broke down each piece of it. Can you kind of explain what the purpose of breaking down those verses was and um, what we should take away from that? You know, when I look at the writing of Paul, um, all of scripture, but Paul especially, he goes into such deep detail with everything he writes. And sometimes in a greeting, which is what the first seven verses really are, uh, we can kind of overlook what's being said. But Paul doesn't just greet the Romans. He explains who he is. Uh, he's an apostle. He's been set apart for the gospel. And then he begins to explain what the gospel is even in the greeting. This gospel is not something new. It's something that's been promised beforehand. Uh, through God's holy scriptures. He explains that Jesus, the son, uh, is not just uh, a descendant of some man, but he's, he is a descendant of the promised, uh, the promised line of David. He is a descendant of God, revealed through the power of his resurrection. Um, and that all of this is so that those who hear about Jesus uh, can have faith in who Jesus is they can live out that faith and obedience so that people who don't know about God can understand who God is and uh, become believers in him. And I think if we just are reading through scripture sometimes and don't look at what's really being said in great detail, we can just overlook that and miss what God is trying to speak. Uh, just the rich language that Paul uses about uh, his passion for the gospel, but even what the gospel is in these six verses uh, can easily be overlooked because we're looking to get to something deeper, uh, especially if you've got titles in your Bible. In my, in my Bible, this says greeting. You know, if we're looking just to, to read through the Bible, like we can say, oh, this is just a greeting. It's not really that important. But my goodness, uh, the wealth of language that Paul uses to help us understand uh, the power of the gospel, what the gospel is, who Jesus is, and uh, what it should do in our lives is evident uh, just clearly in these first six verses. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think it is so important to remember the gospel and uh, just the, uh, the importance of we never graduate from the gospel either. We always uh, find ourselves coming back to the gospel. Um, there's nothing more or less that we need in our life that um, is so important. And uh, it is easy to try and expound on it or go further than what it actually says when uh, really that's not the point of it. Um, and 
as we kind of move through the night, uh, it was, it could be easy to, uh, turn and focus on, you know, what is all the, the sin in the world or what is all the, uh, all the bad that we have in our own lives and, uh, disqualifying ourselves from the gospel or disqualifying others. But, um, Paul also emphasizes, uh, just who God is himself. And you actually went down the road of going back to Exodus 34, 6 and describe uh, having God describe himself to us. So can you explain a little bit of what that verse in Exodus talks about um, and how that relates to uh, these first few chapters of Romans? Yeah, so the verse in Exodus 34, 6 says, uh, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, but this verse is God declaring his name to Moses. This is after the Israelites have been set free from Egypt. This is after they've rebelled while Moses is up on the mountain receiving the commandments for God. And uh, Moses comes down, sees what they're doing. They're worshiping a golden calf. And uh, God gets angry. God, uh, there is some judgment that happens in the midst of what is happening. Uh, and then God makes a statement saying, I'm going to send you up into the land that I promised you, but I'm not going to go with you. My presence will not go with you. And the people mourn, and Moses uh, pleads with God. He prays to God saying, God, we need you. If you don't go up with us, what is to set us apart from uh, the rest of the nations? And Moses, uh, he, he bends God's ear, and, and God responds to his prayer and says, I will go up with you, uh, and I will go into the land with you. And then Moses asked God uh, in chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 18, please show me your glory. And uh, God says, I will. And he says, I'll show you my goodness. And in that verse 34, 6 is where God appears to him and shows him his goodness. And that verse 34, 6 it is the goodness of the Lord. And as I get into Romans 1, 2, and 3, I see that sinful life like the Israelites were living outside of the presence of God being presented. And then as we get into Romans uh, 3 specifically, I see the goodness of the Lord revealed even in the midst of the goodness. God could have absolutely destroyed the Israelites for their sin back there uh, at the base of Mount Sinai, but he did not. He was gracious and merciful. He was slow to anger. He was abounding in steadfast love, and he was faithful. And that's what I see being displayed as Paul uh, lays out these first three chapters of Romans. There's sin in the world. Uh, he, he reveals that clearly in Romans 1. Uh, there's a lot of self-righteousness uh, in believers, and that's kind of what he reveals in, in Romans chapter 2. He says, hey, listen, yeah, I've just talked about all this sin, but you have no excuse to judge anyone because you've got sin in your own life. And if you're trying to live uh, a righteous life through the law, well, eventually uh, you're going to be judged. And as we get into uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 19, that's what it says. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. When I look back at Exodus, they were failing to follow the law. They hadn't received the law yet, but they knew uh, what it meant to worship God and what it meant to worship false idols. And they had begun to break the law and were worshiping false idols. And God could have destroyed them, but God did not choose to destroy them. God chose 
to be kind and patient and loving. And God chose uh, to give them another chance. And that's what we see as we get into uh, verses 21 through 26 in Romans. Uh, And I'll just read it. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Just as God overlooked the sin of the people as they were worshiping the golden uh, calf there in Israel at the, mount, at the foot of Mount Sinai, uh, he has overlooked sins of people over and over again to give them opportunity uh, to repent, to come to him, to be saved by the blood of Jesus. And as I read the first three chapters of Romans, Paul is trying to help me see, and I believe he was trying to help the Romans see, that we have to stop looking with an evil eye at the people in the world who are sinning. Uh, Yes, sin's bad. Uh, Sin will be judged one day, but sin ultimately is a refusal to surrender to who Jesus is. Uh, The law reveals your sin, uh, and you can't uphold the law. You will fail every time if that is your hope, if that is your goal to uphold the law. But Jesus came so that the law no longer has power. And uh, that goodness of God that is talked about in Exodus 34, 6, after he relented of his anger against the Israelites, is presented here in Romans 3, 21 through 26, as God has uh, relented and given us, all mankind, an opportunity uh, to be redeemed through faith in Jesus. Um, God put him forward as a sacrifice to atone for the the penalty of death that we deserve to pay for our sins. Jesus has paid it all, but it must be received by faith. Uh, God is a good God. God has shown his goodness over and over again, and he's shown his love over and over again. Uh, But that love must be received through faith in Jesus. Yeah, that's so good. Such a good reminder. And um, just that whole everything you just said will just I mean that just preaches that's uh, the gospel that we remember that um, you know the law and uh, this standard is impossible to uphold without Jesus and um, we're never going to be perfect we're never going to uphold it law the anything perfectly uh, which is why Jesus uh, came for us at the first place that uh, we are sinful and we are um, going to prone to wander and um, we're going to compare. We're going to uh, try to um, compare ourselves to uh, non-believers and we're going to compare, compare ourselves to believers. And um, it's just important to remember, I think, through this that um, uh, who, who are we and what is our relationship with God? You know, who are we um, worshiping? Who are we chasing after? And does that align with uh, who Jesus is and the life that he lived here on earth? And um, so uh, I just think it's such a great um, a reminder that you've shared with us. And um, is there anything else in this passage that you could see that you would really want to bring out and uh, emphasize um, that we talked about last night? 
Um, nothing from last night. We are going to re-talk about uh, verses 21 through 26 as we begin next week and really dig uh, deeper into what those are. You know, I read it today and discussed it a little bit, but again, sometimes we can uh, forget the wealth of information that Paul is giving us in short little verses. So uh, I look forward to really digging into uh, what Jesus has done for us uh, and what the faith that we need to have looks like. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll recap uh, this again next week as we look uh, from Romans 3.19 all the way through the end of chapter 5 uh, to discover what our faith should look like and what it is that God really has done for us through uh, the life, uh, death, resurrection, and eternal reign of Jesus. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're going to leave it here then. And uh, we look forward to doing this again next time and uh, just continue to hear what uh, this book of Romans has to say to us and how does it apply to our lives today. So thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next time.